Hello out there, everybody. This is your reader and host, John Hagedorn. And now, Chapter 26 of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Well, when they was all gone, the king, he asked Mary Jane how they was off for spare rooms, and she said she had one spare room, which would do for Uncle William, and she'd give her own room to Uncle Harvey, which was a little bigger, and she would turn into the room with her sisters and sleep on a cot. And up garret was a little cubby with a pallet in it. The king said the cubby would do for his valet, meaning me. So Mary Jane took us up, and she showed them their rooms, which was plain but nice. She said she'd have her frocks and a lot of other traps took out of her room if they was in Uncle Harvey's way, but he said they weren't. The frocks was hung along the wall, and before them was a curtain made out of calico that hung down to the floor. There was an old hair trunk in one corner and a guitar box in another, and all sorts of little knick-knacks and gimcracks around, like girls brisking up a room with. The king said it was all the more homely and more pleasanter for these fictions, and so don't disturb them. The duke's room was pretty small, but plenty good enough, and so was my cubby. That night they had a big supper. All them men and women was there, and I stood behind the king and the duke's chairs and waited on them, and the servants waited on the rest. Mary Jane, she sat at the head of the table with Susan alongside of her, and said how bad the biscuits was, and how mean the preserves was, and how ornery and tough the fixed chickens was, and all that kind of rot, the way women always do for to force out compliments. And the people all knowed everything was tip-top, and said so. Said, How do you get biscuits to brown so nice? And, Where, for the land's sake, did you get these amazing pickles? And all that kind of humbug talky-talk, just the way people always does at a supper, you know? And when it was all done, me and the hair lip had supper in the kitchen off the leavings, whilst the others was helping the servants clean up the things. The hair lip she got to pumping me about England, and blessed if I didn't think the ice was getting mighty thin sometimes. She says, Did you ever see the king? Who? William the Fourth? Well, I bet I have. He goes to our church. I knowed he was dead years ago, but I never let on. So when I says he goes to our church... She says, what, regular? Yeah, regular. His pew's right over the opposite arn, on the other side of the pulpit. I thought he lived in London. Well, he does. Where would he live? I thought you lived in Sheffield. I see now I was up a stump. I had to let on to get choked with a chicken bone so as to get time to think how to get down again. Then I says... I mean he goes to our church regular when he's in Sheffield. That's only in the summertime when he comes there to take his sea baths. Why, how you talk? Sheffield ain't on the sea. Well, who said it was? Why, you did. I didn't, other. You did. I didn't. You did. I never said nothing of the kind. Well, what did you say then? Said he come to take the sea baths. That's what I said. Well, then, how's he going to take the sea baths if it ain't on the sea? Looky here, I says. Did you ever see any Congress water? Yes. Well, did you have to go to Congress to get it? Why, no. Well, neither does William the Fourth have to go to the sea to get a sea bath. Well, how does he get it, then? He gets it the way people down here gets Congress water, in barrels. There in the palace at Sheffield, they've got furnaces, and he wants his water hot. 
They can't buy that amount of water away off there at the sea. They haven't got no conveniences for it. Oh, I see now. You might have said that in the first place and saved time. When she said that, I seen I was out of the woods again, so I was comfortable and glad. And next she says, Do you go to church too? Yes, regular. Where do you sit? Why, in our pew. Whose pew? Why, Arn, your Uncle Harvey's. Hisn? What does he want with a pew? He wants it to set in. What do you reckon he wanted it with? Well, I thought he'd be in the pulpit. Rot him. I forgot he was a preacher. I seen I was up a stump again. So I played another chicken bone and got another think. And then I says, Blame it. Do you suppose there ain't but one preacher to a church? Why, what do they want with more? What? To preach before a king? I never did see such a girl as you. They don't have no less than seventeen preachers. Seventeen, my land. Why, I wouldn't set out such a string as that. Not if I never got to glory. It must take him a week. Shucks, they don't all preach him the same day. Only one of them. Well, then, what does the rest of them do? Oh, nothing much. Just loll around, pass the plate, one thing or another. But mainly they don't do nothing. Well, then, what are they for? Well, they're for style. Don't you know nothing? Well, I don't want to know no such foolishness as that. How is servants treated in England? Do they treat them better than we treat our servants? No, a servant ain't nobody there. They treat them worse than dogs. Don't they give them holidays the way we do, Christmas and New Year's week and Fourth of July? Oh, just listen. A body can tell you hain't never been to England by that. Why, a Joanna, they never see a holiday from year's end to year's end. Never go to the circus, nor theater. Nothing. Nor church? Nor church. But you always went to church. Well, there I was up the stump again. I forgot I was the old man's servant. But next minute, I whirled in on a kind of an explanation how a valet was different from a common servant and had to go to church, whether he wanted to or not, and sat with the family on account of its being the law. But I didn't do it pretty good, and when I got done, I seen she weren't satisfied, and she says, Honest Injun now, hain't you been telling me a lot of lies? Honest Injun, says I. None of it at all? None of it at all. Not a lie in it, says I. Lay your hand on this book and say it. I see it weren't nothing but a dictionary, so I laid my hand on it and said it. So then she looked a little better satisfied and says, Well then, I'll believe some of it, but I hope to gracious if I'll believe the rest. What is it you won't believe, Joe? Says Mary Jane, stepping in with Susan behind her. It ain't right nor kind for you to talk so to him, and him a stranger and so far from his people. How would you like to be treated so? That's always your way, ma'am. "'always sailing in to help somebody before they're hurt. "'I ain't done nothing to him. "'He's told some stretchers, I reckon, "'and I said I wouldn't swallow it all, "'and that's every bit and grain I did say. "'I reckon he could stand a little thing like that, can't he?' "'I don't care whether twas little or whether twas big. "'He's here in our house and a stranger, "'and it wasn't good of you to say it. "'If you was in his place, it would make you feel ashamed, 
"'and so you oughtn't to say a thing to another person "'that will make them feel ashamed.' "'Why, ma'am,' he said, "'it don't make no difference what he said. "'That ain't the thing. "'The thing is for you to treat him kind, "'and not be saying things to make him remember "'he ain't in his own country and amongst his own folks.' "'At that point I says to myself, "'This is a girl that I'm letting that old reptile "'rob her of her money?' "'Then Susan, she waltzed in, "'and if you'll believe me, "'she did give hair lip hark from the tomb. "'Says I to myself, "'This is another one that I'm letting him "'rob her of her money. "'Then Mary Jane, she took another inning "'and went in sweet and lovely again, "'which was her way, "'but when she got done, "'there weren't hardly anything left of poor hair lip. "'So she hollered. "'All right, then,' says the other girls, "'you just ask his pardon.' "'And she done it, too, and she done it beautiful. "'She done it so beautiful, it was good to hear, "'and I wished I could tell her a thousand lies "'so she could do it again. "'I says to myself, "'This is another one that I'm letting him rob her of her money. "'And when she got through, "'they all just laid themselves out to make me feel at home, "'and I know I was amongst friends. "'I felt so ornery and low down and mean "'that I says to myself,' My mind's made up. I'll have that money for them, or bust. So I lit out, for bed, I said, meaning some time or another. When I got by myself, I went to thinking the thing over. I says to myself, Shall I go to that doctor, private, and blow up on these frauds? No, that won't do. He might tell who told him. Then the king and the duke would make it warm for me. "'Shall I go private and tell Mary Jane?' "'No, I dasn't do it. "'Her face would give them a hint, sure. "'They've got the money, "'and they'd slide right out and get away with it. "'If she was to fetch in help, "'I'd get mixed up in the business "'before it was done with, I judge. "'No, there ain't no good way but one. "'I got to steal that money somehow, "'and I got to steal it some way "'that they won't suspicion that I done it. "'They got a good thing here, and they ain't gonna leave till they've played this family and this town for all they're worth. So I'll find a chance time enough. I'll steal it and hide it, and by and by, when I'm away down the river, I'll write a letter and tell Mary Jane where it's hid. But I better hide it tonight if I can, because maybe the doctor hasn't let up as much as he lets on that he has. He might scare them out of here yet. So, thinks I, I'll go and search them rooms. Upstairs the hall was dark, but I found the duke's room and started to paw around it with my hands. But I recollect that it wouldn't be much like the king to let anybody else take care of that money but his own self. So then I went to his room and begun to paw around there. But I see I couldn't do nothing without a candle, and I dasn't light one, of course. So I judged I got to do the other thing. Lay for them and eavesdrop. About that time I hears their footsteps coming and was going to skip under the bed. I reached for it, but it wasn't where I thought it would be, but I touched the curtain that hid Mary Jane's frocks, so I jumped in behind that and snuggled in amongst the gowns and stood there perfectly still. Well, they come in and shut the door, and the first thing the Duke done was to get down and look under the bed. Then I was glad I hadn't found the bed when I wanted it. And yet, you know, it's kind of natural to hide under the bed when you're up to anything private. They sets down then, and the king says, Well, what is it? And cut it middling short, 
"'cause it's better for us to be down there a-whooping up the morning "'than up here giving him a chance to talk us over. "'Well, this is it, Caput. "'I ain't easy. I ain't comfortable. "'That doctor lays on my mind. "'I wanted to know your plans. "'I've got a notion, and I think it's a sound one. "'Yeah, what is it, Duke? "'That we better glide out of this before three in the morning "'and clip it down the river and what we've got. "'Specially, seeing we got it so easy.' "'given back to us, flung at our heads, as you might say. "'When, of course, we allowed to have to steal it back. "'I'm for knocking off and lighting out of here.' "'That made me feel pretty bad. "'About an hour or two ago it would have been a little different, "'but now it made me feel bad and disappointed. "'The king then rips out and says, "'What? And not sell out the rest of the property?' "'March off like a passel of fools "'and leave eight or nine thousand dollars worth of property laying around "'just suffering to be scooped in? "'And all good saleable stuff, too.' "'The Duke, he grumbled, said the bag of gold was enough, "'and he didn't want to go no deeper, "'didn't want to rob a lot of orphans of everything they had. "'Why, how you talk?' says the King. "'We shan't rob them of nothing at all but just this money. "'The people that buys the property is the sufferers.' "'because as soon as it's found out that we didn't own it, "'which won't be long after we've slid, "'the sale won't be valid, and it'll all go back to the estate. "'These year orphans will get their house back again, "'and that's enough for them. "'They're young and spry, and can easy earn a living. "'They ain't a-gonna suffer. "'Why, just think, there's thousands and thousands "'that ain't nigh so well off. "'Bless you. "'They ain't got nothing to complain of. Well, the king, he talked him blind. So at last the duke gave in and said, all right, but said he believed it was blame foolishness to stay and that doctor hanging over them. But the king says, ah, cuss the doctor. What do we care for him? Ain't we got all the fools in town on our side? And ain't that a big enough majority in any town? So they got ready to go downstairs again. And the duke says, I don't think we put that money in a good place. That cheered me up. I began to think I weren't going to get a hint of no kind to help me. The king says, Why? Because Mary Jane will be mourning from this out. And first you know the servant that does up the rooms will get in order to box these duds up and put them away. And do you reckon a servant can run across money and not borrow some of it? Your head's level again, Duke, says the king and he comes a-fumbling under the curtain two or three foot from where I was standing. I stuck tight to the wall and kept mighty still, though quivery, and I wondered what them fellows would say to me if they catched me, and I tried to think what I'd better do if they did catch me. But the king, he got the bag before I could think more than about half a thought, and he never suspicioned I was around. They took and shoved the bag through a rip in the straw tick that was under the feather bed, and crammed it in a foot or two amongst the straw, and said it was all right now, because a servant only makes up the feather bed and don't turn over the straw tick only about twice a year, so it weren't no danger getting stole now. But I know better. I had it out of there before they was halfway down the stairs. I groped along up to my cubby and hid it there till I could get a chance to do better. I judged I better hide it outside of the house somewheres, because if they missed it, they would give the house a good ransacking. I knowed that very well. Then I turned in, with my clothes all on, 
"'but I couldn't have gone to sleep if I'd have wanted to. "'I was in such a sweat to get through with the business. "'By and by I heard the king and the duke come up, "'so I rolled off my pallet "'and laid with my chin at the top of my ladder "'and waited to see if anything was going to happen. "'But nothing did. "'So I held on until all the late sounds had quit "'and early ones hadn't begun yet, "'and then I slipped down the ladder. "'Chapter 27 I crept to their doors and listened. They were snoring. So I tiptoed along and got downstairs all right. There weren't a sound anywheres. I peeped through a crack of the dining room door and see the men that was watching the corpse all sound asleep on their chairs. The door was open into the parlor where the corpse was laying and there was a candle in both rooms. I passed along and the parlor door was open but I see there weren't nobody in there but the remainders of Peter. So I shoved on by, but the front door was locked, and the key wasn't there. Just then I heard somebody coming down the stairs back behind me. I run in the parlor and took a swift look around, and the only place I seen to hide the bag was in the coffin. The lid was shoved along about a foot, showing the dead man's face down in there with a wet cloth over it and his shroud on. I tucked the money bag in under the lid, just down beyond where his hands was crossed, which made me creep, they were so cold. Then I run back across the room and in behind the door. The person coming was Mary Jane. She went to the coffin, very soft, and kneeled down and looked in. Then she put up her handkerchief, and I seen she begun to cry, though I couldn't hear her, and her back was to me. I slid out, and as I passed the dining room, I thought I'd make sure them watchers hadn't seen me, so I looked through the crack, and everything was all right. They hadn't stirred. I slipped up to bed, feeling rather blue on accounts of the thing playing out that way, after I took so much trouble and run so much risk about it. Says I, if it could stay where it is, all right, because when we get down the river a hundred mile or two, I could write back to Mary Jane, and she could dig him up again and get it. "'but that ain't the thing that's going to happen. "'The thing that's going to happen is the money. "'The money will be found when they come to screw on the lid. "'Then the king will get it again, "'and it'll be a long day before he gives anybody another chance "'to steal it from him. "'Of course, I wanted to slide down and get it out of there, "'but I dasn't try it. "'Every minute it was getting earlier now, "'and pretty soon some of them watchers would begin to stir, "'and I might get catched. Catch with six thousand dollars in my hands that nobody hadn't hired me to take care of. I don't wish to be mixed up in no such business as that, I says to myself. When I got downstairs in the morning, the parlor was shut up and the watchers was gone. There weren't nobody around but the family and the widow Bartley and our tribe. I watched their faces to see if anything had been happening, but I couldn't tell. Towards the middle of the day, the undertaker came in with his man, and they set the coffin in the middle of the room on a couple of chairs, and then set all our chairs in rows, and borrowed more from the neighbors, till the hall and the parlor and the dining room was full of them. I seen the coffin lid was the way it was before, but I dasn't go to look in under it, with folks around. Then the people began to flock in, and the beats and the girls took seats in the front row at the head of the coffin and for half an hour the people filed around slow in a single rank, 
"'and looked down at the dead man's face a minute, "'and some dropped in a tear, "'and it was all very still and solemn, "'only the girls and the beats "'holding handkerchiefs to their eyes "'and keeping their heads bent "'and sobbing a little. "'There were no other sound "'but the scraping of the feet on the floor "'and blowing noses, "'because people always blows them more at a funeral "'than they do at other places, except church.' When the place was packed full, the undertaker, he slid around in his black gloves with his softy, soothering ways, putting on the last touches, and getting people and things all shipshape and comfortable, and making no more sound than a cat. He never spoke. He moved people around. He squeezed in the late ones. He opened up passageways, and done it with nods and signs with his hands. Then he took his place over against the wall. He was the softest, glidingest, stealthiest man I ever seen, and there weren't no more smile to him than there is to a ham. They had borrowed a melodium, a sick one, and when everything was ready, a young woman sat down and worked it, and it was pretty squeaky and colicky, and everybody joined in and sung, and Peter was the only one that had a good thing, according to my notion. Then the Reverend Hobson opened up, slow and solemn, and begun to talk, and straight off the most outrageous row busted out in the cellar a body ever heard. It was only one dog, but he made the most powerful racket, and he kept it up right along. The parson, he had to stand there, over the coffin, and wait. You couldn't hear yourself think. It was right down awkward, and nobody didn't seem to know what to do. "'but pretty soon they seen that the long-legged undertaker "'made a sign to the preacher as much to say, "'Don't you worry. Just depend on me.' "'Then he stooped down and begun to glide along the wall, "'just his shoulders showering over the people's heads. "'So he glided along, and the pow-ow and racket "'getting more and more outrageous all the time, "'and at last, when he'd gone around two sides of the room, "'he disappears down cellar. "'Then in about two seconds we heard a whack.' and the dog he finished up with a most amazing howl or two, and then everything was dead still. And the parson begun his solemn talk where he left off. In a minute or two, here comes this undertaker's back and shoulders gliding along the wall again. And so he glided and glided around three sides of the room, and then rose up and shaded his mouth with his hands and stretched his neck out towards the preacher, over the people's heads, and says in a kind of coarse whisper, he had a rat. Then he drooped down and glided along the wall again to his place. You could see it was a great satisfaction to the people, because naturally they wanted to know. A little thing like that don't cost nothing, and it's just the little things that makes a man to be looked up to and liked. There weren't no more popular man in the town than that undertaker was. Well, the funeral sermon was very good, but pies and long and tiresome. And then the king, he shoved in and got off some of his usual rubbish. And at last the job was through. And the undertaker begun to sneak up on the coffin with his screwdriver. I was in a sweat then. And watched him pretty keen. But he never meddled at all. Just slid the lid along as soft as mush. And screwed it down tight and fast. So there I was. I didn't know whether the money was in there or not. So, says I. "'Suppose somebody has hogged that bag on the sly. "'Now how do I know whether to write to Mary Jane or not? "'Suppose she dug him up and didn't find nothing. "'What would she think of me? "'Blame it, 
I says, I might get hunted up and jailed. I better lay low and keep dark and not write at all. The thing's awful mixed now, trying to better it. I've worsened it a hundred times. And I wish to goodness I'd just let it alone. Dad fetched the whole business. They buried him, and we come back home, and I went to watching faces again. I couldn't help it. I couldn't rest easy. But nothing came of it. The faces didn't tell me nothing. The king, he visited around in the evening and sweetened everybody up and made himself ever so friendly. And he give out the idea that his congregation over in England would be in a sweat about him. So he must hurry and settle up the estate right away and leave for home. He was very sorry he was so pushed and so was everybody. They wished he could stay longer, but they said they could see it couldn't be done. And he said, of course, he and William would take the girls home with them. And that pleased everybody, too, because then the girls would be well fixed and amongst their own relations. And it pleased the girls, too. So they clean forgot they ever had a trouble in the world and told him to sell out as quick as he wanted to. They'd be ready. Them poor things was that glad and happy it made my heart ache to see them getting fooled and lied to so but I didn't see no safe way for me to chip in and change the general tune. Well, blamed if the king didn't build the house and the slaves and all the property straight off, sailed two days after the funeral, but anybody could buy private beforehand if they wanted to. So the next day after the funeral, along about noontime, the girl's joy got their first jolt. A couple of slave traders come along, and the king sold them the servants reasonable for three-day drafts, as they called it, and away they went, the two sons up the river to Memphis and the mother down the river to Orleans. I thought them poor girls and them servants would break their hearts for grief. They cried around each other and took on so that it made me down sick to see it. The girls said they hadn't ever dreamed of seeing the family separated or sold away from the town. I can't ever get it out of my memory. The sight of them poor, miserable girls and servants hanging around each other's necks and crying. And I reckon I couldn't have stood it at all, but would have had to bust out and tell on our gang if I hadn't known the sale weren't no account and the servants would be back home in a week or two. The thing made a big stir in the town, too, and a good many come out flat-footed and said it was scandalous to separate the mother and the children that way. It injured the frauds some, but the old fool he bowled right along, spite of all the duke could say or do, and I tell you the duke was powerful uneasy. Next day was auction day. About broad day in the morning the king and the duke come up in the garret and woke me up, and I seen by their look that there was trouble. The king says, Was you in my room night before last? No, your majesty, which was the way I always called him when nobody but our gang weren't around. "'Was you in there yesterday or last night?' "'No. "'Honor bright now. "'No lies. "'Honor bright, your majesty. "'I'm telling you the truth. "'I hain't been a near your room "'since Miss Mary Jane took you and the Duke "'and showed it to you.' "'The Duke says, "'Have you seen anybody else go in there?' "'No, your grace. "'Not as I remember, I believe.' "'Well, stop and think.' "'I studied a while and seen my chance. "'Then I says, "'Well, I seen the servants go in there several times.' "'Both of them gave a little jump "'and looked like they hadn't ever expected that. 
and then like they had. Then the duke says, What, all of them? Nah, leastways, not all at once. That is, I don't think I ever seen them all come out at once, but just one time. Hello, when was that? It was the day we had the funeral, in the morning. It weren't early because I overslept. I was just starting down the ladder and I seen them. Well, go on, go on. What did they do? How did they act? They didn't do nothing, and they didn't act any way much, as far as I see. They tiptoed away, so I seen, easy enough, that they'd shoved in there to do up your majesty's room or something, supposing you was up and found you weren't up, and so they was hoping to slide out of the way of trouble without waking you up, if they hadn't already waked you up. Great guns! This is a go, says the king, and both of them looked pretty sick and tolerable silly. They stood there a-thinking and a-scratching their heads a minute, and the duke, he bust into a kind of little raspy chuckle and says, It does beat all how those servants played their hand. They let on to be sorry they was going out of this region. And I believe they was sorry, and so did you, and so did everybody. Don't ever tell me any more that a servant ain't got any histrionic talent. By the way they played that thing, it would have fooled anybody. In my opinion, there's a fortune in them. If I had capital and a theater, I wouldn't want a better layout than that. And here we've gone and sold them for a song. Yes, and ain't privileged to sing the song yet. Say, where is that song, that draft? In the bank for it to be collected. Where would it be? Well, that's all right then, thank goodness. And says I, kind of timid like, is something gone wrong? The king whirls on me and rips out. "'None of your business. "'You keep your head shut. "'Mind your own affairs, if you got any. "'As long as you're in this town, "'don't you forget that, you hear?' "'Then he says to the duke, "'We got to just swallow it and say nothing. "'Mum's the word for us.' "'As they were starting down the ladder, "'the duke, he chuckles again and says, "'Quick sales and small profits. "'It's a good business. "'Yes.' The king snarls around on him and says, I was trying to do for the best in selling them out so quick. If the profits has turned out to be none, lacking considerable, and none to carry, is it my fault any more? It's yourn? Well, they'd be in this house yet, and we wouldn't, if I could have got my advice listened to. The king sassed back as much as was safe for him, and then swapped around and lit into me again. He give me down the banks for not coming and telling him that I seen the servants come out of his room acting that way. Said any fool would have knowed something was up. And then waltzed in and cussed himself a while and said it all come of him not laying late and taking his natural rest that morning. And he'd be blamed if he'd ever do it again. So they went off a jawing. And I'd felt dreadful glad I'd worked it all off on the servants. And yet hadn't done the servants any harm by it. Chapter 28 By and by it was getting up time. So I come down the ladder and started for downstairs. But as I come to the girls' room, the door was open. And I seen Mary Jane sitting by her old hair trunk, which was open, and she'd been packing things in it, getting ready to go to England. But she had stopped now with a folded gown in her lap and had her face in her hands, crying. I felt awful bad to see it. Of course anybody would. I went in there and says... Miss Mary Jane, you can't abear to see people in trouble, and I can't, 
most always. Tell me about it. So she done it. And it was the servants. I just expected it. She said the beautiful trip to England was most about spoiled for her. She didn't know how she was ever going to be happy there, knowing the mother and the children wasn't ever going to see each other no more. And then busted out bitterer than ever, and flung up her hands and says, Oh dear, dear, to think they ain't ever going to see each other any more. But they will, and inside of two weeks, and I know it, says I. Laws, it was out there before I could think. And before I could budge, she throws her arms around my neck and told me to say it again and again. I seen I'd spoke too sudden and said too much and was in a close place. I asked her to let me think a minute. And she sat there, very impatient and excited and handsome, but looking kind of happy and eased up like a person that's had a tooth pulled out. So I went to studying it out. I says to myself, I reckon a body that ups and tells the truth when he's in a tight place is taking considerable many risks. Though I ain't had no experience and can't say for certain, but it looks so to me anyway. And yet here's a case where I'm blessed if it don't look to me like the truth is better and actually safer than a lie. I must lay it by in my own mind and think it over some time or other. It's so kind of strange and unregular. I never seen nothing like it. Well, I says to myself at last, I'm a-gonna chance it. I'll up and tell the truth this time, though it does seem most like setting down on a keg of powder and touching it off just to see where you'll go to. And so then I says, Miss Mary Jane, is there any place out of town a little ways where you could go and stay for three or four days? Yes, Mr. Lothrop's. Why? Never mind why yet. If I tell you how I know the servants will see each other again inside of two weeks, here in this house, and prove how I know it, will you go to Mr. Lothrop's and stay for four days? Four days, she says. I'll stay a year. All right, I says. I don't want nothing more out of you than just your word. I'd rather have it than another man's kiss the Bible. She smiled and reddened up very sweet, and I says, If you don't mind it, I'm going to shut the door and bolt it. Then I come back and sit down again and says, Don't you holler. Just sit still and take it like a man. i got to tell the truth, and you want to brace up, Miss Mary, because it's a bad kind and going to be hard to take, but there ain't no help for it. These uncles of yourn, Ain't no uncles at all. They're a couple of frauds. Regular deadbeats. There now, we're over the worst of it. You can stand the rest middlin' easy. It jolted her up like everything, of course. But I was over the shoal water now, so I went right along, her eyes a-blazin' higher and higher all the time, and told her every blame thing from where we first struck that young fool going up to the steamboat, clear to where she flung herself onto the king's breast at the front door, and he kissed her sixteen or seventeen times, and then up she jumps with her face afire like a sunset and says, The brute! Come, don't waste a minute, not a second. We'll have them tarred and feathered and flung in the river. Says I, Certainly, but do you mean before you go to Mr. Lothrop's, or 
Oh, she says. What am I thinking about? She says, and sat right down again. Don't mind what I said. Please don't. You won't now, will you? Laying her silky hand on mine in that kind of way that said I would die first. I never thought I was so stirred up, she says. Now go on, and I won't do so any more. You tell me what to do, and whatever it is, I'll do it. Well, I says, it's a rough gang, them two frauds, and I'm fixed so's I got to travel with them a while longer, whether I want to or not. I'd rather not tell you why. And if you was to blow on them, this town would get me out of their claws, and I'd be all right. But there'd be another person that you don't know about who'd be in big trouble. Well, we got to save him, ain't we? Of course. Well, then, we won't blow on them. Saying them words put a good idea in my head. I see now maybe I could get me and Jim rid of the frauds, get them jailed here, and then leave. But I didn't want to run the raft in the daytime without anybody aboard to answer questions but me. So I didn't want the plan to begin working till pretty late at night. I says, Miss Mary Jane, I'll tell you what we'll do. And you won't have to stay at Mr. Lothrop so long, nother. How far is it? It's a little short of four miles, right out in the country, back here. Well, that'll answer. Now you go along out there, and you lay low till nine or half past tonight, and then get them to fetch you home again. Tell them you've thought of something. If you get here before eleven, put a candle in this window, and if I don't turn up, wait till eleven, and then if I don't turn up, it means I'm gone, and out of the way, and safe. Then you come out and spread the news around and get these dead beats jailed. Good, she says. I'll do it. And if it just happens so that I don't get away, but get took up along with them, you must up and say I told you this whole thing beforehand, and you must stand by me all you can. Stand by you, indeed I will. They shan't touch a hair of your head, she says, and I seen her nostrils spread and her eyes snap when she said it too. If I get away, I shan't be here, I says, to prove these rapscallions ain't your uncles, and I couldn't do it if I was here. I could swear they was beats and bummers, that's all, though that's worth something. Well, there's others can do that better than what I can, and there are people that ain't going to be doubted as quick as I'd be. I'll tell you how to find them. Give me a pencil and a piece of paper. There. Royal Nonsuch, Bricksville. Put it away and don't lose it. When the court wants to find out something about these two, let them send up to Bricksville and say they've got the men that played the Royal Nonsuch and ask for some witnesses. Why, you'll have that entire town down here before you can hardly wink, Miss Mary. And they'll come a-boiling, too. I judged we'd got everything fixed about right now. So I says, Just let the auction go right along and don't worry. Nobody don't have to pay for the things they'll buy till a whole day after the auction on accounts of the short notice. And they ain't going out of this till they get that money. And the way we fixed it, the sale ain't going to count, and they ain't going to get no money. It's just like the way it was with the servants. It weren't no sale, and the servants will be back before long. Why, they can't collect the money for the servants yet. They're in the worst kind of fix, Miss Mary. Well? she says. I'll run down to breakfast now, and then I'll start straight for Mr. Lothrop's. 
"'Indeed, that ain't the ticket, Miss Mary Jane,' I says. "'By no manner of means. "'Go before breakfast.' "'Why? "'What did you reckon I wanted you to go for at all, Miss Mary?' "'Why, I never thought. "'And come to think, I don't know. "'What was it?' "'Why, it's because you ain't one of these leather-faced people. "'I don't want no better book than what your face is. "'A body can sit down and read it off like a coarse print. "'Do you reckon you can go and face your uncles "'when they come to kiss you good morning? "'And never... "'There, there, don't,' she says. "'Yes, I'll go before breakfast. "'I'll be glad to. "'And leave my sisters with them?' "'Yes, never mind about them. "'They've got to stand it yet a while.' They might suspicion something if all of you was to go. I don't want you to see them, nor your sisters, nor nobody in this town. If a neighbor was to ask how was your uncle's this morning, your face would tell something. No, you go right along, Miss Mary Jane, and I'll fix it with all of them. I'll tell Miss Susan to give your love to your uncles and say you've went away for a few hours to get a little rest and change, or to see a friend, and you'll be back tonight or early in the morning. "'Gone to see a friend is all right, but I won't have my love given to them.' "'Well, then, it shan't be. "'I was well enough to tell her so. No harm in it. "'It was only a little thing to do, and no trouble, "'and it's the little things that smooths people's roads the most down here below. "'It would make Mary Jane comfortable, and it wouldn't cost nothing. "'Then I says, there's one more thing. "'That bag of money.' "'And she says,' Well, they've got that, and it makes me feel pretty silly to think how they got it. No, you're wrong there. They ain't got it. Why, who's got it? I wish I knowed, but I don't. I had it because I stole it from them, and I stole it to give back to you, and I know where I hid it, but I'm afraid it ain't there no more. I'm awful sorry, Miss Mary Jane. I'm just as sorry as I can be, but I done the best I could. I did. "'Honest. I come nigh getting caught, and I had to shove it into the first place I come to, and run. But it warn't a good place.' "'Oh, stop blaming yourself. It's too bad to do it, and I won't allow it. You couldn't help. It wasn't your fault. Where did you hide it?' "'I didn't want to set her to thinking about her troubles again, and I couldn't seem to get my mouth to tell her what would make her see that corpse laying in the coffin with that bag of money on its stomach.' So for a minute, I didn't say nothing. And then I says, I'd rather not tell you where I put it, Miss Mary Jane, if you don't mind letting me off. But I'll write it for you on a piece of paper, and you can read it along the road to Mr. Lothrop's if you want to. Do you reckon that'll do? Oh, yes. So I wrote. I put it in the coffin. It was in there when you was crying there, away in the night. I was behind the door, and I was mighty sorry for you, Miss Mary Jane. It made my eyes water a little to remember her crying there all by herself in the night, and them devils laying there right under her own roof, shaming her and robbing her. And when I folded it up and given it to her, I see the water come into her eyes, too, and she shook me by the hand hard and says, Goodbye. I'm going to do everything just as you've told me, and if I don't ever see you again, I shan't ever forget you. "'and I'll think of you a many and many a time, "'and I'll pray for you, too.' "'And then she was gone. "'Pray for me? "'I reckon if she'd have knowed me, "'she'd have taken a job that was more nearer her size. "'But I bet she done it just the same. 
She was just that kind. She had the grit to pray for Judas if she took the notion. There weren't no back down in her, I judge. You may say what you want to, but in my opinion, she had more sand in her than any girl I ever seen. In my opinion, she was just full of sand. It sounds like flattery, but it ain't no flattery. And when it comes to beauty, and goodness too, she lays over them all. I ain't ever seen her since that time I seen her go out of that door. No, I ain't ever seen her since. But I reckon I've thought of her a many and many a million times. And of her saying she would pray for me. And if ever I thought it would do any good for me to pray for her. Blamed if I wouldn't have done it or bust. Well, Mary Jane, she let out the back way, I reckon, because nobody's seen her go. When I struck Susan and the hair lip, I says, What's the name of them people over on the other side of the river that you all goes to see sometimes? They says, There's several, but it's the proctors mainly. Yeah, that's the name, I says. I almost forgot it. Well, Miss Mary Jane, she told me to tell you she's gone over there in a dreadful hurry. One of them's sick. Which one? I don't know. Leastways, I kind of forget. But I think it's... Sakes alive, I hope it ain't Hanner. I'm sorry to say it, I says, but Hanner's the very one. My goodness, and she's so well only last week? Is she took bad? It ain't no name for it. They set up with her all night. Miss Mary Jane said, and they don't think she'll last many hours. Only think of that now. What's the matter with her? I couldn't think of anything reasonable right off that way, so I says, Mumps. Mumps? Your granny? They don't set up with people that's got the mumps? They don't, don't they? You better bet they do with these mumps. These mumps is different. It's a new kind, Miss Mary Jane said. How's it a new kind? Because it's mixed up with other things. What other things? Well, measles and whooping cough and ursiplus and consumption and yaller janders and brain fever. I don't know what all. My land, and they call it the mumps? That's what Miss Mary Jane said. Well, what in the nation do they call it the mumps for? Why, because it's the mumps. That's what it starts with. Well, there ain't no sense in it. A body might stump his toe and take poison and fall down the well and break his neck and bust his brains out and somebody come along and ask what killed him and some numbskull up and say, why, he stumped his toe. Would there be any sense in that? No. And there ain't no sense in this, neither. Is it catching? Is it catching? Why, how you talk? It's a harrow catching. In the dark? If you don't hitch on to one tooth, you're bound to on another, ain't you? And you can't get away with that tooth without fetching the whole harrow along, can you? Well, these kind of mumps is a kind of harrow, as you may say. And it ain't no slouch of a harrow, nother. You come to get it hitched on good. Well, it's awful, I think, says the hare lip. I'll go to Uncle Harvey and... Oh, yes, I says. I would. Of course I would. I wouldn't lose no time. Well, why wouldn't you? Just look at it a minute. Maybe you can see. Ain't your uncles obliged to get along to England as fast as they can? And don't you reckon they'd be mean enough to go off and leave you to go all that journey by yourselves? You know they'll wait for you. So far, so good. Your Uncle Harvey's a preacher, ain't he? Very well, then. Is a preacher going to deceive a steamboat clerk? 
Is he going to deceive a ship's clerk so as to get them to let Miss Mary Jane go aboard? Now you know he ain't. What will he do then? Why, he'll say, It's a great pity, but my church matters has got to get along the best way they can, for my niece has been exposed to the dreadful pluribus unum mumps, and so it's my bounden duty to sit there and wait the three months it takes to show on her if she's got it. But never mind if you think it's best to tell your Uncle Harvey. Shucks, and stay fooling around here when we could all be having good times in England while we was waiting to find out whether Miss Mary Jane's got it or not? Why you talk like a muggins? Well, anyway, maybe you'd better tell some of the neighbors. Listen at that now. You do beat all for natural stupidness. Can't you see that they'd go and tell? They ain't no way but just to tell nobody at all. Well, maybe you're right. Yeah, I judge you are right. But I reckon we ought to tell Uncle Harvey she's gone out a while anyway, so he won't be uneasy about her. Yes, Miss Mary Jane, she wanted you to do that. She says, tell them to give Uncle Harvey and William my love and a kiss and say I've run over the river to see Mr. Mr. What is the name of that rich family your Uncle Peter used to think so much of? I mean the one that... Why, you must mean the Apthorps, ain't it? Of course. Bother them kind of names. A body can't ever seem to remember them. Half the time, somehow. Yes, she said. Say she has to run over for to ask the Anthrops to be sure and come to the auction and buy this house, because she's allowed her Uncle Peter would rather they had it than anybody else. And she's going to stick them till they say they'll come. And then, if she ain't too tired, she's coming home. And if she is, she'll be home in the morning anyway. She said... Don't say nothing about the Proctors, but only about the Apthorps, which will be perfectly true, because she's going there to speak about their buying the house. I know it, because she told me so herself. All right, they said, and cleared out to lay for their uncles, give them the love and the kisses, and tell them the message. Everything was all right now. The girls wouldn't say nothing because they wanted to go to England, and the king and the duke would rather Mary Jane was off working for the auction than around in the reach of Dr. Robinson. I felt very good. I judged I'd done it pretty neat. I reckon Tom Sawyer couldn't have done it no neater himself. Of course, he'd have thrown more style into it, but I can't do that very handy, not being brung up for it. Well, they held the auction in the public square, along toward the end of the afternoon, and it strung along and strung along, and the old man, he was on hand and looking as level poisonist, up there alongside of the auctioneer, and chipping in a little scripture now and then, or a little goody-goody saying of some kind. And the duke, he was around goo-gooing for sympathy, all he knowed how, just spreading himself around generally. But by and by the thing dragged through, and everything was sold, everything but a little old trifling lot in the graveyard. So they'd got to work that off. I never seen such a giraffe as the king was for wanting to swallow everything. Well, whilst they was at it, a steamboat landed, and then in about two minutes, up comes a crowd, a whooping and a yelling, and a laughing and a carrying on and a singing out. Here's your opposition line. Here's your two sets of heirs to old Peter Wilkes, and you pays your money, and you takes your chance. Stay tuned next week for chapter 29, 30, and 31. And this terrific review just arrived lately. Great choices. Masterfully read, five stars. The best, especially the Mark Twain and Robert L. Stevenson. Beautifully narrated. That one from APOX 13, Apple Podcast, 
U.S. Thank you very much for taking the time to send us that review. We appreciate it. And folks, if you enjoy our shows, please do send reviews. Other people see them, and it helps us get more people to listen. Thank you so much for being great listeners and great fans. Keep in mind our other shows out there. And we'll be back next week, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Everybody stay safe, and we'll be back soon.